wherever you are, whenever you are, and however you happen to be listening, we're so glad you've chosen to tune in to DLC, especially if you are one of our geeks and sneaks. Are you out there running right now? Are you at the gym? Are you bettering yourself? Are you using our podcast to help you power through a workout or a run? We're going to be with you in your ear holes for 90 plus minutes with gaming goodness because DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week delivered the way we love it to be. And that is completely free. Thanks to our sponsors this week, Speed Test, Mac, Weldon, and Fireside. They're bringing the show to you. DLC, of course, the show all about games, and there are many forms, games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles, and also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. And I'm your host, Jeff Kanata, that's spelled with two N's and one T, and I'm joined, as always, by my friend, slash co-host, slash nemesis, and the newly appointed press secretary for DLC, the guy who will tell you that the crowd who listened to last week's episode was the biggest for any <laughs> type of media ever, period. Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. Yeah, I'm not Sean Spicer. I think I spend most of my time tweeting at people, uh, not Sean Spicer. You got the wrong Spicer. And if, if, uh, Sean Spicer gets half of the hate tweets I get, um, people don't like him. They don't, they don't <laughs> oh, like him. And as far as I go ahead. It's hard out there for a Spicer, evidently. As far as I know, there's no familial relation between us and them. It's kind of, uh, the Spicer family has done a, a pretty diligent tracing back way back when, like back to the sons and daughters of the American Revolution. I don't know where this imposter comes from, but uh, I'm pretty sure that if he is a family member, that is an alternative fact and not a real one. <laughs> well, you only spew the truth on our show. So yeah, uh, I don't know. You listen to the bold and crazy predictions. <laughs> oh, man, uh, this is going to be a fun episode. Uh, we have a great guest to do it with. You know that DLC is always your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian, but this week we're excited because DLC, once again, stands for Diversity Looks Cool, because one of our favorite advocates for diversity in gaming and media, from Games Look Good and Science Looks Good, as well as the Spawn On Me podcast, friend of the show, Sharif Jackson is back with us. Welcome, Sharif. What's up? What's up? Glad to be back. Glad to be back. Can't wait to uh, get into this awesome show, so... Uh, but I am glad to know that Sean Spicer is joining us. I was not aware of that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we got it's a big get for us to get the press secretary. It's great here. Yeah, I'm in awe. <laughs> uh, it's the best guest we've ever had. Period. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, all right, uh, enough of that stuff. I know people get so excited when you get politics in my games. Uh, blah. So let's get right to the game talk and start the way we always do with story of the week. Story of the week, it's the story of the week. Story of the week, it's the story of the week. Story of the week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happened in the world of games this week. And you can always submit stories for our consideration using our hashtag on Twitter, that's DLCSOTW, or by visiting our subreddit, which is 5x5dlc.reddit.com. Also, we accept your emails. Love hearing your feedback at dlcfeedback at gmail.com. We're going to read some emails later in the show. We love hearing your input on stories, input on uh, opinions on our opinions. So please don't hesitate to email us. Sharif, you are our guest, so you get first pick of stories. So what would you consider to be your story of the week? Sure. So my story of the week, I feel like... um it wouldn't normally make big news, but I think because of the sort of lack of information around this thing that's about to launch very soon, um, it tends to be my story of the week, which is um, that there was a leaked image 
um, from uh, Nicalis, who's the uh, developer of uh, The Binding of Isaac, which will be a launch title for the Nintendo Switch, um, that leak that apparently leaks um, an uh, image of the uh, user interface um, of the Nintendo Switch. Um, now, even though like Nintendo had a trailer last year and a detailed, well, a, a quote unquote detailed presentation um, a couple of days ago, um, you know, we still don't know a lot, if anything, about what the user interface kind of looks like, if it'll support kind of multiple accounts. Um, yeah, but there's like four weeks before the thing ships and you can already pre-order it. So how much do you expect to know? Uh, <laughs> said facetiously. Yeah. Well, see, see, it's a, it's a weird thing because never in my life have I ever said, man, I can't wait to pre-order this console. I, I need to see what the UI kind of looks like first. <laughs> right. But at the same time, it's, it's just, you know, it's just an expectation that I have is that if you have sort of, you know, a, a conference where you're laying out everything, um, and like, I don't want to, you know, kind of re, hash a lot of stuff that you guys covered last week, but um, I'd expect something like the UI and account support and all that stuff to be covered. No, um, I do want to rehash what we talked about last week. I'm glad <laughs> I know we've had you on a number of times for big Nintendo episodes, and I know that you are a huge Nintendo fan. So I would like to, you know, use this story of the week as a way to, you know, talk about this stuff because we have had a little more time now to digest and to think about the Switch, and all the pre-orders have sold out, and it's clearly going to do well on its opening day, as we all predicted. But uh, Polygon just did a big story about all of the things that we still don't know about Nintendo Switch, and it's quite a lot for such a small time between now and when it's released. And UI is one of those things. Tell me your take on Switch right now in general, and then sort of what you think about all the stuff we don't know. Um, my take in general is that, um, I'm excited about it. Um, I pre-ordered it as well. Um, I was able to get a great deal, um, you know, where I essentially got it paid for by trading in my Wii U and, and the 3DS. Um, because it, cause it's both of those things in one. So you just, uh, it's kind of an even, even trade there. Supposedly. I mean, they said <laughs> that, that they're still going to support the 3DS, but you know, they also said that about their third pillar Game Boy and look what happened with that. Right. Um, so I, I mean, like Zelda is still a system seller to me. So like for me, like I would, you know, I would pay the early adopter tax, you know, to right. play Zelda. Um, but you had that system already. I did have the system. Um, <laughs> you sold the system. It was a system solar. <laughs> it was a system solar. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and I, I really had to think about that. But like, I was like, you know what? If I can get the system paid for and play one of my favorite series of all time, both in a higher fidelity at home and be able to take it on the go, like that's enough, like for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I am worried that they didn't significantly make the case to people that are not Nintendo fans um, and that missed out on the Wii U or like even the Wii generation as well. Well, those people um, can't buy one yet anyway. So, you know, it's not like they can just walk into a store and buy them yet anyway. So maybe they'll make that case around the holiday or, you know, later in the summer when there's actually product on the store shelves. Is that a case I used to take it with me or what kind of case are we talking about? Soft, hard, what is this? (laughs) Yeah. And, 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 and and yeah, I, I made this case on spawn on me that I don't think you need everyone to buy something day one for something to succeed. Like, I think it's perfectly fine if it sells to the horror core at first and then kind of like, you know, 
not drags along, but 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 like doesn't have spectacular sales until the holiday. I I think that's perfectly fine. Um, and I think that's why they timed Mario for the holiday as well, because they wanted to have something to bring people in. Um, but I do think that you do need a level of excitement, even even if people aren't going to buy it initially, if they're not hardcore fans, I think you still need like that level of excitement. And I think that they lost a bit of it um, via the via the, the uh, launch lineup and via the price as well. Mm-hmm. Um, which I do think that the price is fair. Um, I think 300 is perfectly fair for what they're offering. So I don't think they're gouging us. Um, I just wish that they were a little more aggressive and realize that, you know, they've lost a lot of mind share over the years and they've recently got some back with like Mario run and Pokemon go and like all that stuff. And that I feel like they could have really dropped a bomb. Um, and even though it meant that they might've sold the console at a loss, which I know that they don't like to do. Um, it, I think they would have possibly made it up over volume. And I think that they would have gotten over a, you know, sometimes like Nintendo cynical press um, about the uh, system and and make it like a easier pitch to people that do have um, second or, or a third console options as well. So, right. Well, there's definitely room there for them to, to lower the price. They certainly haven't shown too much desire to do that previous, you know, previously the Wii U never really went down, but um, you know, I think there's room there to after the the initial surge of, of all of us who are stupidly, you know, leaping at it day one. Um, So I know I kind of derailed your story of the week here a little bit. So what's your, what's your feeling on this image about the UI? Does it make you excited, more excited, or is it kind of what you expected from a UI for this kind of device? Well, I'm, I'm, I mean, it's really like the um, the uh, account thing that really makes me excited because I think that if you're pitching this as a as a family device, then you need to be able to be able to um, switch accounts, you know. Um, and that also makes me think that I it's possible. I think you mean switch. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah. You, you're, that's what you mean. You're right. I, <laughs> I feel like Nintendo gets a dollar every time someone snaps. <laughs> yeah. No, I've, it cost me a fortune to make that show last week. <laughs> you know, they're, they're like the only person to trademark a snap. Um, but um, yeah, I, I mean, what what this kind of makes me think about is that um, they might have solved the issue that they've had on their previous consoles where your per- where your digital purchases, spe- specifically your virtual console purchases were tied to the hardware. Right. Um, meaning that, you know, if, if your Wii U or your 3DS got busted, like you're basically at the mercy of Nintendo to restore your purchases. And even though they developed the uh, Nintendo account earlier in 2016, um, which people have kind of theorized it is going to tie together all those kind of purchases under an account system, um, that like I, you see on the Nintendo and the, and uh, sorry, on the Microsoft and the Sony platforms already. Um, there hasn't been anything confirmed about that yet. So I'm hoping that if you can change users, that means that you do have things tied specifically to your account instead of tied to a system. Yeah, that was the big, I guess, the biggest piece of info from that leaked photo is there's a change user button. So, um, yeah, we, there's a lot we don't know about how all that online stuff is going to work. Uh, kind of leads me to an email that we got. Um, this comes from Matthias from Berlin, Germany. He says, uh, hey, guys, I wanted to weigh in on the Switch controversy. To me, the biggest what-the-heck announcement, of which there were many, was the paid online model. 
I do not understand how Nintendo can be so unaware of how nostalgia works. The majority of gamers love to go back to old games, especially the great SNES classics. But do we want to jump back and binge for a month? No. We want to snack a little Mario Kart here, some Super Metroid there, right? To me, it's so obvious. What Nintendo needs to do is become gaming's Netflix. Charge $10 a month, let gamers play whatever they want. If you make this feature Switch exclusive... I feel like every gamer would happily spend $300 on the Switch, and it would solve Nintendo's ongoing problem with low attachment rates. Keep up the great work. DLC has blossomed into the greatest gaming podcast out there. Oh, thank you, Matthias. Uh, Christian, I think this kind of feeds right into your vision for where gaming is headed. And a lot of people have been saying for a long time that what Nintendo really needs to make is the, the nostalgia box, the you know play all Nintendo games forever on one thing. Certainly seems like Switch would be the perfect take it anywhere you go type version of that. Do you think this, he's onto something here? I mean, I, I think Nintendo thinks they have sold the nostalgia box and it's the NES classic, right? Like that's right. Um, also, I think it's hailing outside my house right now. So if you, if you hear that, um, it's coming down in LA, you guys, the yeah, end man. times. Um, I, I, I don't think one, I, I love the idea of it. I think the hard part for making it a true Netflix type thing is that streaming games isn't there yet. I, you know, I am a champion of that. But we are not there yet. Um, wow, I can and, really hear that hail, man. That's crazy. Yeah, it's insane. It's like literally banging on the window. Probably <laughs> what you hear. I just want to hear a shatter and then a screech and then a monster comes in the room. <laughs> That's yeah. not till the very end, though. Yeah, okay. we, we reveal it's a monster. Um, and so I don't think that technology is there. And I, while I agree, I would happily pay ten dollars a month to you know have access, even if I was downloading, because it's not a huge download for these classic games. I think Nintendo looks at their income stream differently, and I think they think that they can get more money out of people reselling them virtual console games or things like the NES Classic than they can out of a subscription service. I I don't – I haven't looked at the financials. I haven't done that side of it. I know as a fan which one I would want, but I think I understand Nintendo's argument even if it's frustrating for the consumer. But it, it doesn't make sense to me even given that, even if you're correct – we they haven't said anything about how virtual console is going to work for Switch. Like even mm-hmm. if if they recognize it's a valuable thing and they want to, you know, make some more money out of it, you'd think they'd talk about it at least, right? I don't think they know what it is yet. I mean, they mentioned <laughs> they <laughs> yeah, mentioned that the online play is paid, but it's not available until later. Um I think they're figuring a lot of this out, and I think while Nintendo makes some of the best games ever made, Everything and some of the best controllers, uh, maybe not necessarily recently, but certainly innovative. Um, they don't have the rest of it figured out, if that makes sense. Like friend codes, um, vo- no voice chat for a game like Animal Crossing, even though they, or maybe Animal Crossing did have it, but like the next game didn't. And it's just like, you know, head scratching moments that they have, uh, between game launches and game releases that. I don't know if they know what it's going to be, and I don't know if they figured it out, and I don't know if they care yet. To be perfectly honest, yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't think that they know what what it's going to be either. I don't think they're being like intentionally cagey or have some kind of master plan of oh, like we're going to do the grand like reveal. Then I literally think that they're still figuring out the online stuff and still kind of figuring out the virtual console, which to me is ridiculous for something that's launching in almost a month. Well, it does seem like this launch, despite all logic, is rushed. It, it feels like here's something that was we've been talking about for, what, over a year now, 
And yet it still feels rushed. It still feels like they were playing catch up on it, which I don't get. But it's early access. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah. Not not rushed. This is the Greenlight program. This is a special Nintendo Greenlight program. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I would have been much happier if they delayed both the Switch and, as much as I hate to say it, Zelda, um, until October. Um, launch it the same day that the Wii did. Um, you know, so that you can take advantage of the Thanksgiving holiday um, and and have it be a little closer to uh christmas and hopefully that would mean that they would have you know a stronger uh initial game launch um and i don't think you i mean yes it would have had a negative impact like financially to them obviously like they're kind of launching this near the end of their fiscal year and you know and they'll take advantage of all the day one sales but um i really think that it it, um might have been better in the long run for the success of the console um, even though it might have been a bit of a financial hit to um, Nintendo to to release it much later, and I mean they could have tied it into hey, like this is like the you know the 11th anniversary of the Wii, and you know and like all that kind of stuff. Well, I'll um, tell you what, where I where I agree with you is I'm looking at February 28th and Tom- Torment, Tides of Numenera, and uh, Horizon Zero Dawn both come out on February 28th, both gigantic deep role-playing games. And then just a few days later, Zelda comes out on the Switch. At this point, yes, I wish Zelda was delayed just so I, this season's like this. And then, of course, you know, Mass Effect comes out not just a few weeks after that. So yep. these gigantic games we've been waiting for for a long, long time that have gotten delayed, they are all hitting in this crazy window. And it's GDC week. So, you know, and it doesn't affect a lot of people, but it affects me because I'm thinking about going to GDC. But at this point, it's like... I kind of just want to not go to GDC and stay home and play games because <laughs> all, all the stuff I've been waiting for is coming out in this very, very tight window. And these are all gigantic, very time consuming experiences that I want to give, you know, I want to give all my attention to. Uh, it sucks when you wait a long time for this stuff and then it all hits boom, boom, boom. And you really feel like you give short shrift to all of it. But why does Zelda need to be the one to move, right? Like, I think Nintendo is looking at getting a console out before Scorpio maybe comes out. And PlayStation 4 Pro is able to hit a price drop in holiday and stuff. They want to have enough uh, stock on shelves during the holiday so that the average shopper can go and get it. So they're not selling out immediately to the hardcore fans with an October or November launch. And then also it's like, we're Zelda. We're going to come out whenever the heck we want to come out. Oh, I'm sorry, Mass Effect Andromeda sequel to a game with a different cast of characters. I don't give a crap about you, right? Like, yeah. I mean, I don't think that they're concerned <laughs> about, and oh, Horizon Zero Dawn, a new IP from that company that made that first-person shooter people were lukewarm on. Hi, I'm Zelda. Well, I think Stephen A. Rivers in the chat presents the alternative view. You're saying Zelda is, you know, the one to rule them all. And Stephen A. Rivers says, if you're an average gamer, why buy the Switch with the lineup that we were just talking about? Give me Horizon and Mass Effect. Keep the Switch. Well, if you're an average gamer, you're not able to buy a Switch then anyway. So don't worry (laughs) about it. Buy one in the holiday, which is what their plan is. Yeah, maybe. And I'm not saying I'm going to like Zelda better than those games. I'm saying that's Nintendo's thought. And I think from a business perspective, why it makes sense to get it out in March instead of sitting on it. Because this release calendar this year, it never it's like, oh, perfect. Here's the one week where nothing's coming out. Like there might be one or two of those. But like if all of these games hit that are rumored to hit, along with things like Call of Duty, Assassin's Creed, another Battlefield or Battlefront, like things get things get full very fast. True. Yeah, yeah, and and I'm I'm not sure how much Nintendo is really worried about the Scorpio. 
I mean, I know that everything is in competition for your dollars and your time, your entertainment time. But, you know, a, you know, allegedly what I believed to be a possibly $500 uh, premium console that is really marketing itself as sort of, you know, the uh, premium level of, of tech specs, right. Mm -hmm. Versus a, you know, $300 or possibly lower if they, if they cut it, um, portable system with sort of, you know, mature to all ages games. I feel like they're like completely different, um, different presentations. And I really can't see people, even like parents, like, like a, do I buy the switch or the Scorpio? Like, I don't think that yeah. a parent is going to spend twice as much, even if this, even if, you know, you know, no matter how much kind of Microsoft like markets it. And I think that if you want a, a Scorpio and you want that third party support and you want what, like what Microsoft offers, you're going to get that no matter what, what like Nintendo does. And like, if you really like Nintendo games, you're going to get a switch. So yeah. I feel like those things could have existed um, with a, uh, with a closer launch window to each other and not had too much of a dramatic effect um, on on each other's sales. Yeah, I tend to agree with that. I think that's a I think that's an accurate assessment of the situation. I don't think that you know it's people are gonna be like, do I want the Switch or do I want the Scorpio? I think you know if you're in the market for an upgraded Xbox console, you know I don't think it's like, well then I'll get the Switch instead. It seems like yeah, exactly. a very different idea. I don't know. I, I think the parents' argument falls flat. I think it's one that people use a lot. But which console were the parents going to get? The ones that their kid asks for, right? Like, and if they can't afford a five hundred dollar uh, Scorpio, they say, "Hey, we can't afford that. You have a good Xbox." Here. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know. I don't. I don't know how often we're. And again, these are very first world problems, right? Where like a kid, you know, asks for like a PlayStation Four or an Xbox One for Christmas or their birthday or whatever it is, and then they open it up and there's a Switch, and they're like, "Yeah, uh. yeah." <laughs> like if a parent is buying one yeah. for themselves, that will also then be like the family console or something. Then it's not; it's the parent's decision. But I think that again is something different. It's not, you know, which one is this or that or the other. It's a, an adult making a decision based on a purchase for their entire family. Yeah. I don't know. I just don't see I actually that. I think that it, it helps Microsoft that the switch isn't coming out at the end of the year, because it's a much harder sell to say, here's a upgraded thing that of a console. I mean, they have to make a good argument as to what the Scorpio gives you. Uh, but I, I don't know if it gives you an Xbox one S for one ninety nine. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's move on because I we got it. We got lots of other stories here. Christian, do you have a story of the week you want to bring up? Uh, I know what you're going to talk about, and I don't want to talk about it. So I will talk. Ab- I mean, I want to talk about it, but you know what I mean. I don't want to steal your thunder. Um, Play Dead. They've uh, tweeted out a an image of a new game they have started on their next project. Play Dead are Limbo and Inside developers, even though uh, Dino Patty left Play Dead, the co-founder after. Um, after inside came out so it's maybe it's just play or maybe it's just dead we're not sure how the <laughs> we studio hope it's not just dead <laughs> it's, not, yeah, it's not just dead but the, the picture i don't know did you guys look at it yeah it looks awesome i mean it's yeah, pretty much their good. aesthetic right but it's like a spaceman yeah it's like I, I like that you can tell it's their aesthetic but it's also a little different right like it's not exactly the same it's not exactly the same it looks like they're taking some strides in the presentation kind of the way inside did with limbo like limbo was black and white or whatever and then inside added some color here and there 
And now we have a little spaceman running around doing his thing. While the end of Inside uh, left me a little flat, I think it's always easy to get excited for a new game from a studio that has put out two original and compelling games over the past uh, seven years or whatever it's been. And hopefully we won't have to wait six years for this one. But honestly, if we do, if it comes out as good as Limbo and Inside, I think it's worth it's worth the wait. Oh, for sure. I mean, this is one of the most exciting uh, studios going right now for my money. But yeah, I, I, I think this is a good indication that maybe we won't have to wait as long. Uh, question for you guys, um, Sharif. Do you like the? I, it seems to me that this is an indication that these guys are really specializing in a specific kind of game, and nobody else is doing this, so that's kind of cool. They kind of it kind of strikes me as being something along the lines of of what Telltale does. It's like we have mm-hmm. our kind of game, nobody else really does that kind of game, and we're going to keep putting out these kind of games and iterating on this formula. Is that? Do you think that's a good thing, or do you think that it's a shame that they're not trying other kinds of games? I think it's a good thing. Um, I, I I don't think it, I, I I think it's a good thing for gaming to have smaller specialized studios that kind of know what they're good at. Um, I think after a while it cannot be a good thing, but I think at this time, being that this is really like their sort of you know um, you know after Limbo and Inside, kind of like their third, uh, well well they're like third game that like allegedly be in in this kind of art style, and I'm assuming tone as well. Right, right. Um, yeah, I, I think it's a good thing. There's, there's like always room for, um, for smaller studios to like a, to like a deliver high quality stuff if they hone in on what they're good at. Um, I think that it kind of counteracts the um, other side of the equation, which is a smaller studio that thinks that they need to like replicate these larger games that try to do everything and appeal to everyone, um, and, but you need the resources kind of for that. So, so I, I like this. Yeah. I think it's kind of cool too, that you kind of know what you get with a play dead game, the same way you know what you get with a telltale game. And there's room in there for surprises and interesting new you know, takes on that genre, but nobody else is really doing that. Um, so I think it's, it's neat. And I guess, you know, as I was, as you were talking and I was thinking, well, it's not really that much different from saying, Hey, we're Bungie and we make first person shooters and that's what we do. And, you know. So it's not. I guess you you are good at what you're good at. But uh, any any different opinion on that, Christian? No, I mean I, I, that's what you want them to do. Granted, if they came out with something new and totally different, I think you would also give them the benefit of the doubt based on a track record of making successful games. But it's like when the Patriots take the field, no one is like, "Oh, they're not playing baseball today." <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> I am kind of. I kind of feel like that. I'm like, I'm sick of these guys winning in football. Let's, let's see if they can play baseball. <laughs> Yeah, Michael Jordan tried it. It doesn't work out. Stick to what you know. <laughs> um, I mean, Bo Jackson did it. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Uh, well, he did it from the beginning, so it's a little different. Deion Sanders, too. Also um, from the beginning. <laughs> so, you know, you kind of alluded it to my uh, my story of the week, and I can't help but be excited about this. It's, it is a VR story. Uh, Cloudgate Studios. Um, we had uh, the one of the guys from Cloudgate Studios, Steve Bowler, on as a bonus content uh, before the the first of the year in one of our Christmas episodes. He came on and uh, had an interview with him. Really cool guy. Uh, they're the, the studio that made Island 359 for Vive, which is that um, dinosaur hunting game in VR. Pretty cool game. And uh, they came out with a video that I guess they just cobbled together this tech uh, over the weekend that showed a pretty simple, well, I say simple, simple 
looking, uh, maybe achievable is the better word, not simple, uh, but a way to create full body immersion in VR. And it's interesting. I mean, maybe we'll have to call him up and see if we can get him back on the show to talk about it a little bit. Um, I think the the impetus for this is that, you know, Vive announced at CES these trackers that they're going to be putting out this year that allow you to track all kinds of various things in VR. You can strap it to a baseball bat. You can strap it to a gun peripheral. You can strap it to whatever you want. And then it can track that thing in VR along with the headset and the controllers. Well, these guys decided to try to mirror that same idea before the trackers have come out by just strapping two additional Vive controllers to their feet so that the game could, uh, or the system could track their the position of their feet. And then they wrote code to create believable human meshes based on that data so that, you know, things won't ever collide with each other. So when you look down at your body, you can't ever look through your body. You know, it automatically uh, changes the way when you crouch down, it like pulls your, your butt back so that you never kind of collide with any of the geometry of your body. It figures out where you should be uh, based on where you see your feet. And then also very cool, they show, you know, you'll be able to kick stuff in the game. Kicking is, you know, kicking's fun. Um, I think this is pretty exciting stuff. I think it's going to be kind of a tough sell to get people to strap these controllers to their feet. Uh, I mean, obviously, they're saying it's not going to be controllers. It's going to be these trackers. But still, you know, anything where it's like, okay, time to suit up, <laughs> I think is going to be a, a tough sell. But I just love, I love the expression of the tech and the idea of having your body feel like your body. Like one of the things they were showing was, touching your actual physical body in the real world and your digital self is also touching where the same your body is and it's, yeah show it, me where they touched you where did physical you touch you show me on, on the this. virtual <laughs> uh, i don't know uh, um Sharif, does this did you see this video did it look cool i did um i think it looks really cool um Two, two two things about it um, excited me. One thing is that they said that they wrote the code for this in a weekend. Right. Um, now, these are really experienced um, guys, but it also kind of let me know that the existing um, mappings that um, VR is like using to like uh, simulate head and like hands can be easily extended to other parts of the body, which I think is like really promising for the future of the technology. Right. Um, so I was excited about that um, because I think that like hobbyists and stuff are, are going to go nuts with it. Um, the other thing that, that excited me was when, when like I think about feeling motion um, and like, and like, and, and like, but and potentially feeling like vibration as well. Um, I thought about, for like example, um, I love, you know, I'm a big like proponent of like space exploration. Mm -hmm. And I thought about, you know, these like VR games that like I've played where like, I'm like floating in like space. And I thought about if like you're floating and you can like sort of feel things kind of like hitting your legs or like, if like you're doing like a uh, climbing game and like you can actually get sort of like your legs actually involved into it. Um, so I think there's a lot of cool applications for these upcoming trackers. Um, I do think that, as you said, you know, it'll be a, it, it'll be a bit of a tough sell, but I think that there will always be sort of a hardcore VR audience th that'll latch onto it. I don't think it'll be a part of sort of the uh, mainstreaming of VR, like the PSVRs, sort of stuff though for a while i mean we're still trying to focus on how, how do we sell headsets to people. <laughs> right. yeah right 
Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, I also like what you brought up. I didn't really even think about that, but like the, the rumble of uh, on other parts of your body is, is kind of a neat idea. Yeah. If you, you know, bump into something with your leg, there's a little rumble in, on your leg part. Uh, that's I mean, they've been doing that since the PS2 with the trans vibrator. You know, people True. have been thinking about rumble in other parts of the body for years now. <laughs> Some people thinking about it a little too much, probably. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Do you think this is cool, Christian? I think it's very cool. I think it's going to make amazing Dave and Buster's experiences, amazing (laughs) Disneyland ride experiences where, you know, you are, you're suiting up, you put on your Ghostbusters backpack and your helmet and, or you suit up as Batman, right? At uh, Universal or wherever it is. And you step into the the boots and you put gauntlets on that instead of controllers, it's Batman's gauntlets and you put the mask on, it's a helmet. Then you have this incredible experience. It's only possible because of the technology. I I agree with Sharif that there's, and, and you, I don't see like, like, oh, I got an hour. What should I do? The, oh, they just put the kids to sleep. Well, <laughs> tend to get my VR shoes and <laughs> clunk, clunk. Here we go. Yeah, VR shoes. I like that. Uh, <laughs> that's fun. Um, you know, I actually have always heard that the hardest thing for the game to figure out is where your elbows are. So there may be elbow pads because, you know, they can figure out where you're, uh, you know, if, you, if you're holding uh, VR controllers in your hands and you have the headset on and you kind of do the chicken arm thing where you're flapping your chicken wings, you know, you do the hokey pokey and you turn yourself around. Um, it doesn't know you're doing that, right? Cause it, it, you're keeping your hands steady and your head steady and your elbows are going up and down. So the game doesn't understand that. And often one of those immersion breaking things is trying to figure out where that bend in your elbow is happening and how you're, how you're bending your elbow to get your hand where it needs to be. So maybe elbow pads are really the, <laughs> the bigger <laughs> the bigger trackers that we need to worry about. But I like this idea. I mean, the video is, is super fun of just like kicking barrels and stuff. There's been plenty of times, I will tell you, that I've been playing Arizona Sunshine or, you know, some sort of a zombie game and the zombies come up to me and I've kicked at them in, in real life. And, you know, the game doesn't know I did that. And I'm like, ah, it didn't, it didn't do anything. So, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And um, imagine a game like uh deep right where like you're like snowboarding and you're paragliding and like all that stuff if like you could actually sort of feel the motion in your feet while you're actually kind of snowboarding i think that would be awesome didn't they put out that uh that board controller a few years ago oh not uh, tony (laughs) hawk not that thing i actually never tried that but i know it bombed spectacularly Uh, (laughs) it sure did uh, anyway, it's cool. And, um, uh, what is his name? Rofler for WR. I'm doing a terrible job. Uh, in the chat said, uh, maybe you could walk by walking in place with these trackers. It might be a, a way to move instead of teleporting. Uh, they specifically talked about the fact that this is kind of not going to be a new move, uh, idea. And there's plenty of people that are working on walking in place as a way to move and they don't need foot trackers. Like you can, there's actually a bunch of guys that are doing it just with the hand trackers where you sort of walk in place and, and, you know, move your arms as you would normally do walking. And they, and you're able to create very realistic feeling movement through that. You, you move your arms and you walk. You don't, you just stand, you know, bored straight as you walk down the like street. Like any good serial killer would. Yeah. <laughs> That's creepy. Um, all right. Well, uh, <laughs> I want to move on from that notion. Uh, I, I thought I'd answer this email too. Um, it's not something we normally talk about, but I thought it'd be fun. Uh, Aaron Potter from uh, Bristol in the United Kingdom sent this. And I just thought, you know, we could spend a few minutes talking about this. He says, hey, guys, big fan of the show and have been since day one. But this is my first time writing in. And to my surprise and yours, I'm sure, my question is only tangentially related to games. 
I just wanted you guys to take on relationship advice, specifically when you're a gamer and how to go about finding the right romantic player too. After being single for six months now, following a two-year relationship, I feel like I'm ready to get back out there. Every time I listen to DLC and you guys bring up your respective other halves, I always get the impression that they are very supportive of what you do, despite the fact that most women would probably sneer at the thought of someone who devotes so much of their time playing games. I don't know if that's true or not, but I'll let him say that. Uh, I would say non-gamer would sneer at a gamer. Yeah, and not just women, but non-gamer. Any advice? Also, women suck. (laughs) <laughs> any advice on how to find that special someone thanks for the great content as ever aaron uh any advice sharif you want to throw this guy's way yeah i mean i think in general you want to find somebody that's supportive of you period like it doesn't matter if you're a gamer or you're a uh, athlete or you're a you know or, or you're a singer like you know they should be supportive of what brings you happiness because when you're in a relationship if you're happy they're happy. And if they're happy, then like you should be happy. Right. So, um, but I think a challenge of that, um, means that you need to be honest with who you are and what you like upfront with that person, Mm -hmm. you know? So like, I know a lot of people, including myself in my uh, younger days, um, (laughs) where like, I would kind of hide the fact that I like games until I got in the relationship. And then they'd be like, what the hell is this? You know? Um, so I think that it's important to be upfront, um, and to, you know, say, Hey, this is, this is what I like to do a, B and C. Um, and then if that person is down, you know, they will be down, you know, I think that's Um, really well said. And I would add to that, that it's a two way street, right? Because not only do you want someone that's supportive of you, you have to be supportive of them. And the way to help make someone supportive of you is to show how much you support them because people love giving back when they feel like their needs are being met as well. So if all you want to do is play games and you don't want to spend time with your significant other doing the things that he or she likes, then I'm sure they'll start feeling resentful of your gaming habit. But if you, you know, if it's a two way street and you can find that common Uh, you common joys and you spend time and they, you know, you're open to whatever they're into. Chances are they'll be open to whatever you're into. Christian, you have anything to add? I mean, I, I agree with what both of you said. I also have a foolproof way um, that's worked for me every single time. And I don't know why everyone doesn't do it. Um, Go to a track team dinner, your junior year of high school with people on the cross country team as well. And then go to the after party after you're done eating at a Mexican restaurant and be charming and funny in front of the group and notice a girl laughing at your jokes and then tell a friend that you're going to ask that girl out before the weekend is over so that he holds you accountable for it and then ask that girl out. And then when she says yes, date her all through the rest of high school, all through college and then get married right after college. And then you go to law school and her go to med school and then you drop out of law school to do this. And then have kids, but not until after a couple of years and probably move to Los Angeles before you have your first kid. And then after that, move out to a quieter suburb of Los Angeles before having your second kid. So you're saying is find a girl and trap her as quickly as possible. (laughs) I mean, that's the manual. He he just laid out the manual. (laughs) I mean, I don't know how it doesn't work for everyone else. Like if I guess if you're past uh, junior in high school, you're screwed. I'm sorry. But like, (laughs) you know, it's fairly simple, right? It's fairly simple to do. I think uh, that no. sounds like a good like visual novel game <laughs> I'm going to awesome. call it uh, not Virginia is what I'm going to call it. Um, 
<laughs> the real answer is is to be honest and open and put yourself out there and put yourself in situations you otherwise would not find yourself in if you feel like you're not meeting anyone new um, and go and, and take a risk. Go to a play with a group of friends, uh, you know, go to a soccer game, a football, whatever it is that you don't normally do with friends that are into that and then expand your circle and try to meet new people. Well, we wish you luck, Aaron. Um, I know it's hard sometimes out there, but uh, you know, yeah, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta love to get love. And I think that uh, th- there's so many ways to meet people nowadays, uh, online and in person, both. So uh, we wish you the best of luck and hope that you find someone that will enjoy your hobby as much as you do. But I've never really made that a priority personally. Uh, my wife, you know, is not necessarily a gamer, but we have found shared joy because she's sort of excited to try things that I like so much. Um, and I'm excited to try things that she likes so much. So, uh, yeah, that's how, like, like having kids. <laughs> uh, so anyway, uh, good luck to you, Aaron. Um, let's move on now to the playlist, but first I do need to thank our sponsor speed test. Oh my gosh. Usually, I'm telling you about something uh, that you might want to buy, but this is free. It's a free thing that's just going to improve your life right away. It's easy. It's free. It's gonna. It's something you need, and I'm just here to tell you about it. Speed test is the best way to find out your upload and download speeds. If you're moving to a new place or if you're just trying to maximize your gaming, if you're trying to be the coolest dude in your multiplayer game, you need to know this information. You need to know your ping. You need to know how you can improve your upload and download speeds. And speed test is the best metric to do that. You got it. The speed test by Ookla, this is the industry standard. This is now become a way to Measure your speed by not just even using a browser. Usually people go to speedtest.net. It's very popular. I've used it many, many times for many, many years. But now there's a free desktop app available for both Mac and PC. And you can check your connection at the touch of a button. It's really well designed, pretty slick. You just click it. You find out how fast you are. You can compare it with your friends. You can compare it with your uh, online mates. And you can figure out ways to improve your speed. It's free. There's no, there's, There's no catch here. Uh, this is the industry standard over 9 billion tests and counting. All you got to do is go to speedtest.net slash DLC and download the app or search for speed test by Ookla on your favorite app store. You can download it on the, you can download it for your phone. So it's great for testing your Wi-Fi when you set up a Wi-Fi in your apartment or your house. Uh, you want to check out how fast it's delivering content to all of your, your, uh, your apps and, uh, your devices is the word I was looking for. Uh, so you can download that on any tablet or phone. Speedtest.net slash DLC. Make sure to use that DLC at the end so they know that you heard about it from me. It's free. It's easy. It's great. You need it. So check it out. Speedtest.net slash DLC. Uh, we are, you know, at the calm before the storm as the a big, uh, huge releases are happening in just a few weeks. But uh, Sharif, I'm curious what is taking up your time these days. Well, that's not true. We got we got uh, next week, or actually tomorrow, as we're recording this, uh, Resident Evil 7 comes out. We'll be probably be talking about that next week a lot. Gravity Rush 2 just came out. So we got big, big stuff. But what's uh, what's taking up your time these days? What's on your playlist, Sharif? 
Yeah, so um, so we recently had our uh, Spawn for Good gaming marathon, right? Um, as part of the Spawn Me podcast. So during MLK weekend, we all played a bunch of games and we raised money for a one simple wish. Um, and I went through a bunch of different games. Um, I mainly play through. I start with retro games and kind of make my way up to the modern games. Um, but one thing th- that I played was like something that I haven't touched in a while, which is, uh, pinball FX two, um, ah. which has been out for like a few years now, you know, it's a really great kind of like pinball kind of simulator that's out for, I think for both the consoles and for PC and the phone as well. Yeah. It's um, you love different that one, right? on, um, it's like Zen studios or something like that, but it's all the same. They do star Wars, Marvel. They're fantastic. Yes. Yeah. Um, so I have played the tables over the years, but what I didn't know is that Bethesda about a month ago, they like released, um, a new pack of, uh, of, uh, tables for, uh, Doom, uh, Skyrim and Fallout 4. Ooh. Um, and I've really been enjoying these tables a lot. Um, you know, if, if like you haven't played the, uh, FX2 or the Zen Pinball s- series, I mean, th- they're probably the, I would say the best, the the best pinball that like you can do without actually playing uh, the uh, actual game in like a real life because there's all kind of like cool effects. I mean the tables are, are just gorgeous. Um, the the uh, sound effects are like are usually very very authentic, um, if not actually from the voice actors. Like I know on the um, I think on the Force Awakening on the Force Awakens. T- t- tables it sounds exactly like um like the uh like a ray and uh kylo on them so i'm not sure if they have a really good impersonator um or they actually use the uh actual actors for it but the cool thing about especially about the uh doom table um is that first of all there's a huge cyber demon in the middle of the table so like that's automatically awesome <laughs> um, and the good thing about these, uh, FX2 tables is that they have these, like, cool, kind of, like, mini games. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's all kind of, like, rotating kind of pieces. There's, like, fire going on. You're, like, taking out actual enemies on the board. Um, it's just a lot of fun. Um, and, you know, it just reminds me about how, like, in, you know, b- back when I used to be in the arcades, all the all the time, like I spent, you know, about half my time on the pinball machines as as well. Yeah. Um, so I think that you know, if if you're an enthusiast, you probably already know about these games. But like, I would say, even if you're on the younger side and kind of missed out on on, on kind of on the uh, pinball craze of the arcade times, um, I would highly recommend this. Um, my question you know, is about these: is is do they? Do they stick with sort of the physics that could exist in the real world? Like, is is this trying to create what would be a real life pinball experience, or do they kind of go crazy and let you know things that couldn't actually ever be built in real life happen because it's digital? No, it, it is absolutely like the physics of a steel ball um, <laughs> in a uh, pinball like a machine. Now they do have a lot of background stuff that is obviously more on the digital side. So, so, so like, for example, on the doom machine, I mean, the doom guy will, will, will like come out on the side and start like blasting things, um, no, that's awesome. you know, and, and that kind of stuff. So, so like they do have a lot of like cool effects and like a music, but the uh, big draw is that the physics 
you know, um, really, really, it really does feel like you're like actually playing a, a table, including like the limited ability to tilt as well. Hmm. Um, so like it kind of has that like level of like, um, strategy to it. So yeah, it, it really does feel um, real, you know? Um, that's cool. And like, I Appreciate- think that like, that's a big achievement for like, you know, for a virtual, um, version of uh, pinball. Yeah. Yeah. Christian, I know you, you have often talked about spending time with these, uh, virtual pinball games. Um, I kind of just don't, I don't know. I don't get it, I guess, but it sounds neat, I guess. They just need to make it in VR and then you'd like it, right? Yeah. Well, baby. they did. They already did. Bust Wait, what? Hook, line, yeah. and sinker. Gotcha. Hoisted yep. on my own petard. Yeah, buddy. They have a Walking <laughs> Dead one. They have some other basic uh, tables. You're like in this beautiful kind of mid-century modern room with all your tables laid out. You get to walk over to them in the Walking Dead one. Zombies shamble up. Shamble? Yeah, they shamble. Shamble up next do. to you. It uh, it's really well done. Uh, it's it's almost again my problem with playing it in VR is that it's like, ooh, this is so real now. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I'm gonna put my drink on it even though it says not to. Um, but they're incredible, and I think there's another company, Shreve, I forget what it is that they do, and they've done some kickstarters for like the great license tables of yore, and they do like amazing digital recreations of like you know the Terminator Two table or like these awesome tables that have existed in real life. Um, and that is not what uh, Pinball FX2 or Zen Pinball is. They are these fictional versions. They have some new IPs. But, um, yeah, the physics are real pinball. But then the other crazy stuff that the board does is stuff that can only exist in these worlds. And like a, like the Star Wars ones, like TIE Fighters will come out and fly over the table. And they're they're incredible. And you can play them on almost anything. I think I have them on my Vita, my iOS device, my PlayStation. I might even have them on Xbox. I keep buying them. They're, they're good and they're not expensive. Like, you know, per table, you can get infinite joy out of even one table. So, uh, I would, now, highly were you a it. fan of, would you like walk into a place if it had a pinball machine and you plug a quarter into it? Would you, are you that guy or do you like these independent of real world pinball joy? Column A, column B. I think what got me pulled into Pinball FX was the iOS version of it and having it be an IP I like. Like Pinball on my phone is a great way to waste just a couple of minutes. And it's not like, oh, if the doctor comes out and is ready to see me now, it's not as if I'm like, oh, dang it. You know, I'm about to beat this boss. (laughs) Uh, You can just kind of put it away and go. Um, at, in terms of arcades, it would usually be the IP that would pull me in, like the Terminator 2 table I remember liking. I remember there being, oh God, was it Aerosmith or Rolling Stones? And like one of them would scream at you, like when you got it, probably uh, Aerosmith. Uh, <laughs> stuff like that I really liked. And there was another good um, Adams Family, I want to say, it was a really cool table. So stuff like that would pull me in. I wouldn't see like, you know, Pinball of the West and be like, oh, I got to play that. But, right. uh, I've but Adam's kind of family, that's the one. That's I good. think that's it. I think that was an awesome table. I could <laughs> yeah. be wrong, but I think it yeah, was no, the Adam's no, I, family table. I think you're right. I think you're right. <laughs> Uncle so, Fester is a master at pinball. <laughs> <laughs> He's a pinball fester. Um, Sharif, what else? Anything else on your, on your you know, you, you played, what, 24 hours straight or the whole weekend? How was- uh, it wasn't straight. Um, but, um, I, oh, yes. So, like, I actually played you. This is like an older game, but I never played it. Like before, um, I kind of skipped out on a lot of the portable Zelda games. Mm. Um, I love Zelda, but for some reason, having it on a handheld just never appealed to me. Um, but I played through uh, the Minish Cap, uh, oh, which is so good. Game Boy Advance, uh, 
Zelda game and I really, really, really enjoyed it. I mean, I don't know why as a Zelda fan I would skip out on the portable games, but but I did, so I'm kind of trying to catch up now. And that game was very, very good. Like I was actually Capcom, right? Yes. Um, (laughs) I think and 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 like I was astonished at how, you know, um it just felt, you know, really good, even for, you know, for a fifteen year old Game Boy Advance game. Um, you know, it, 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 it just still had that, um, great feel to it. No, did actually, you play I it on the Game Boy Advance or did you play, uh, um, emulated? Uh, I played it on the virtual console. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and I, I think the one thing that surprised me and the reason why I kind of stupidly stayed away from the portable versions was that I figured that they were like going to be much shorter and much more like, you know, yeah, like not slight as versions. Yeah, yeah. But, but but it didn't feel that way at all. I mean, it it. I'm I'm I mean, like the dungeons were were like complex. Like the amount of like backtracking and conversations were still there. Um, so I was, I still was completely as immersed into it as I would be. In, you know, in in a in in like a regular version. So so have yeah. You, if, have you played Link Between Worlds? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I did play that one, but I would actually, I actually think Minish Cap is better than that one. Um, because while I love Link Between Worlds, it's kind of like, well, we're going to take Link to the Past and just kind of spice it up a bit. Right. Um, but the Minish Cap felt entirely, I mean, I, I know it's weird to, to like say it's new since it's so old, but, <laughs> but, but, um, it just felt like an entirely new version of that universe. Um, and I think that they played like the whole like shrinking down and like all that stuff really well. And yeah, so, so yeah, it was, it was a good, um, th- throwback game. And like, I'm glad that like I actually got to play through it, uh, before I traded in the Wii U because now <laughs> I, don't, I don't have any of that until, you know, well, like they still haven't announced what's going on with the virtual console, but right. you know, we'll, we'll have to see if I'm rebuy all of it again, <laughs> rebuy it all at, at, you know, as I don't know, as I feel like as long as I kind of like snap my fingers, (laughs) then they might come down for free. So who knows? Yeah. Um, which is the one that has all the trains, uh, spirit tracks. Yeah. That one's good too. Like all the, all of the uh, portable ones are good. They're good. Yeah. Yeah, So, so like the funny thing is after i finished Minish Cap, I went right to spirit tracks because I hadn't played that one either, even though I had, a DS since launch, you know, yeah. like, um, and yeah, that one is good too. I mean, I, I immediately, I remember kind of laughed at it when it first came out because I was like, Zelda with trains, this just sounds dumb, <laughs> but man, it's, it's done really well. Um, it uses like, except for the blowing into the microphone, which I never liked on the DS. Um, right. it really uses like the stylus well. Um, and Zelda actually has an active role in the game, you know, which, you know, it's something that, you know, I feel like they need to do a lot more of. Um, I feel like in a Wind Waker and in Spirit Tracks are the only games where they really seem to have her have like a very active role, um, you know, in the actual combat and, and the conversations and, and, and stuff. So yeah, yeah pretty yeah, good. I agree. Uh, Christian, you haven't, you've been traveling, right? You haven't had a chance to play much. Yeah, it's been kind of a slow week for me. I did download, it was recommended in our subreddit, Teeny Titans on iOS. It's like $4. Um, it looks kind of Pokemon-esque, you know, but you're kind of collecting and playing with these little um, figurine versions of DC heroes kind of based on the Cartoon Network uh, Teen Titans show, which I'm a fan of. I have not spent 
hardly any time with it at all, though. I went down, I was in San Diego a lot of last week, just trying to grind out this set uh, and get it clean. I have a, I, I do this show clean all the time. When I do stand up, I, uh, in general speak, I, I curse. Uh, <laughs> I needed to get something uh, TV clean for a thing that uh, might happen. Uh, so yeah, not a lot of gaming, unfortunately. I am looking at Gravity Rush 2 right now and half wish I was playing that instead of talking to you guys. Like, I love ya, but you know, <laughs> I'm just looking right at so. Well, uh, I have been playing more Gravity Rush 2 this week. I kind of turned a corner on that one. I, I mean, I love, I still love the mechanics of it, but man, some of the questing is so poorly done, I have to say. And it kind of saps my uh, will. There, there, I ran into a segment where, um, it's like, hey, why don't you hang out in the city for a while and just uh, do side quests? And, and we won't even let you progress on main quests for a while. We won't even put any main quest hubs on, on your overworld map. And you just have to do side quests. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. So you do a couple of side quests and it's like, ooh, these are rough. Well, at least I'm getting, oh, the, no reward for doing a side quest? Like, no reward at all? No, I don't even get gems that I can use to upgrade my, no, nothing? Okay, oh, I get a chance to get a talisman. So maybe most of the time I'm not getting a talisman. Oh, I got a talisman this time. Okay. Oh, it's a really, it's a lame talisman. It doesn't do anything good. Okay, so what am I spending my time on with these side quests? The stories are dumb. I mean, dumb. There, I did a side quest where... The girl lost her ducks, and I had to go around the town and collect the ducks. Where are the ducks? Find the ducks. You have to touch the duck. Okay, I did that. Uh, did another one where, uh, oh my gosh, the we, we it's her birth or it's thank day or something like that. It's a day of thanks. So uh, I, I want to get a gift for the lady. What should I get her? Okay, let's go ask people what they would get her. Okay, those people suggested a doll that she likes. Okay, where does the doll is the doll sold? It's sold at one of the vendors in town, but we don't know which one. So we have to walk around and see which vendors are clickable, and then walk up to the vendors, and the vendors go, "Sorry, we don't carry that." And then we just keep wandering around until the game decides that one of these vendors does carry that. Ugh, it's rough, guys. Rough, rough. Man, rough. I'm glad you didn't get Resident Evil 7 early because this is the Kanata that I know and love off mic. Uh, <laughs> what are you talking about? The one who spends more time with the game and then doesn't like it. And then can, can we just point out the fact that Jeff Kanata was poo-pooing on a game that involved going around and getting gifts for people? Like, what happened? What world am I in, Kanata? What world am I in? <laughs> it's a, it has a bank a day like where people are supposed to think about what they put out into the world and make it a better place. And I was like, this is <laughs> awful. A moment enjoyed is a moment wasted. <laughs> you troll me every time. You create this narrative, false narrative that I'm like different off the mic than I am on. I know, <laughs> know that's not true. Do uh, <laughs> I? It's an alternative fact, Jeff. There yeah, are no... Yeah. Oh, we, can, we can argue facts all you want, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> uh no i oh, I know it's happening i'm becoming sean spicer I know. Ah! I know. uh <laughs> no I, I, still, I still really <laughs> dig the game i still really dig the game but man just let me progress the main story and let me do fun is things it, instead of these these is it uh, teaching you mechanics at all like no. you know to do this it's a time trial so now you're fast enough to be able to take on this big boss that will require because i remember I gravity mean, rush rush one had some moments that required some skillful platforming at least it felt that way on the vita um but i don't remember these like you're stuck in a place for a long time moments though maybe they think that it needed to be bigger since it was a console exclusive i don't know i don't know either um and it it 
uh, I, you know, I said last week that I didn't think that the delivery of the story was particularly, I think actually that's not right. The delivery of the story is awesome. In fact, it makes me want to watch or read comic books on my television. I was like, oh, I can get like an Apple TV comic, you know, comicsology app and read on my, te- this is really fun reading comic books on my TV because that's how the game delivers its story. Mm-hmm. Like a manga, it's, it's like a interactive comic book and it's really kind of clever. It's just the writing isn't good. And I really respect a big open world RPG that's trying to do something different in the sense that it's not the end of the world. There isn't some giant bad guy who's going to destroy the world and I'm the little kid who woke up and has to, you know, become powerful enough to save the world. Like it's this is a, a story about you know, uh, trade in this air colony. It's all, it's all about it's like coming up with good trade deals and uh, negotiations and uh, figuring out who's trying to screw you over by, you know, talking. <laughs> uh, and it's kind of a – in one sense, it's kind of sweet that there are just side quests about getting people gifts for, you know, day of thanks. But – the act of of doing that, the actual moment to moment of the quest, isn't particularly compelling. And as great as the mechanics of anti gravity are in the game, and as fun as that constantly is, and all of the fighting is always a joy in that game. And just traversing the world is fun because you're always topsy turvy and this really fun floating city of uh, of you know these sky boats is is it really cool. It's always cool. It's just like forcing you to do quests that are really uninteresting. And even that would be palatable and fine and I could endure it if it was like, okay, you got 500 gems for doing that quest. And it's like, okay, well, I'm going to progress my character. At least there's a carrot on the end of this stick. But most of the time it finishes and goes, you completed the quest. Like, oh, <laughs> I, okay, I, I did. Is there... Nothing, no reason to have done that? Okay, all right, I completed the quest. I guess I successfully got her a gift for thank day, but uh, <laughs> that's about all I get out of that. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm really interested in the gravity like mechanics of it. Um, I downloaded the demo, but I haven't had a chance to really dig through it. Um, but to me, it's like really, really going to come down to if there's like some – you know, really good puzzles that really involve like you kind of like really mastering that like manipulation of the gravity. So, yeah, you know, I've, I've, I've like read that, that there is that, and I don't know how much of that will be in the demo. Um, but like, I'm looking forward to it because like I didn't play the first one, so I don't have that kind of like nostalgia for it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to, uh, to seeing what it's about. Yeah, that is the joy of the game is is the mechanics and it is a fun system to actually get better at. And you can get better at it. I mean, you also level up your character, but there is a a fun skill um you know, you can chart your skill and and you can see it ramp up. You can feel like, "Oh my god, I'm getting better at zipping around this world of turning things on and turning things off." And the and the way it controls is not the way most games control, right? You toggle uh your falling momentum with one of the the bumper buttons and you and you know, you're it's not like you push a button to move or you know, there are a lot of games where you would just kind of push to propel yourself and this game you kind of toggle it on toggle it off and you can speed it up or slow it down and you're constantly just zipping around the world and flopping your character hither and yon 
it, that is the joy of the game. I just wish the framework it was it was in was a little stronger. And uh, you know, I mentioned that last week, despite what Christian wants to, you know, characterize my opinion about. Oh yeah, after the show when we were off mic, you no, told me no, that? no, no. I mentioned it in the show. <laughs> Everybody knows that. Man, you alternative facts. It's Spicer. I'm being Spicered. Well, to be to be fair, I learned it from Carboni. I mean, yes. I haven't worked with the 55 year old co host before we started doing this show, so I needed to to learn from Anthony how to handle the situation. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then I also want to bring up the other game that I'm still playing because you totally dissed it so hard last week, and I've gotten so many great tweets from people. That- Sharif, you did. What did you say? No. I know. I'm ashamed of myself. <laughs> Dream Quest, guys. So many people have tweeted me saying they tried it and it has just completely absorbed their life as it did mine. I'm continue- well, if that means anything, so many people have tweeted at me calling me a monster and that Donald Trump is a liar. So yeah. just because people tweet you something doesn't mean they're, <laughs> they're tweeting the right person. This <laughs> is going to all be what 2017 is, is you just completely uh, creating a, a mirror world of, of, of pseudo facts and you're just going to confuse and, dist- and distract me from ever saying anything i actually mean no i just wish people knew i'm not sean spicer that's all it is <laughs> uh anyway dream quest is a uh a deceptively ugly game <laughs> it is it is sort of uh you know objectively ugly <laughs> it's not a well um uh, it's not a beautifully designed aesthetic i'll say that it looks like a child made it but man, is it good! It is so so good, and so many people have uh, have jumped on. And I know I'm super late to this party. Uh, this game has been out for a while now, but I'm so glad I found it, and I'm so glad that people tried it based on my. I mean, it's two bucks on iOS, and it's ten bucks on on Steam. Uh, I guess somebody was also telling me that the designer was um, was snatched up by the Hearthstone team at Blizzard because they thought his. His uh, card mechanics were so strong; they wanted him on their team. I think just think that's so cool, such a great success story. And it's true, dude. His his card mechanics are they're ju- divine. You just feel so cool, and it's always it's just the perfect amount of difficult to rewarding. Like you always feel like I mean, I guess this is a great contrast to what I was talking about with Gravity Rush Two. Is you always feel like the time you put in was worthwhile because this constantly giving you new things, new cards to play with, uh, new classes that you unlock based on your achievements, new things that are happening constantly that enrich the game and let you try new new things. And it's all just time in time investment reward. You know, you are it's you're you're pretty much going to get stuff just by investing time in it. And also you're getting better at, you know, manipulating the cards and creating decks that are effective and the decisions moment to moment are so juicy and fun and there are bonuses around every corner that you can try to you know it's like do i use my gold to buy uh, upgraded cards or do i use my gold to buy new cards or uh, you know at, at the end of every level you're given a really powerful bonus but it's like of six or seven different potential bonuses and they're all equally awesome. That's what I love about board games is is when a board game gives you juicy decisions and everything seems OP, so you want to do all the decisions, but you can only do one rather than <laughs> being like, oh, I know which decision I want to make because there's only one good one to do at any given time, you know? That's that's the way to make me feel awesome is there's like six things I want to do. Um, and this game just nails that so well. So again, that's called... 
Dream Quest. It's a really generic title. You'll look at the art and you'll be like, this is was made on MS Paint. This is terrible, but uh, <laughs> it's so good. So good. And Christian will never play it. Yeah, so I I tried it um, on on the iPhone and it looks interesting, but man, am I bad at this game? Oh, really? Oh my god, uh, I feel like I just can't advance hardly at all. Well, um, it depends on what your expectations are because it took me a long time of playing it before I ever got past the first level, and then like I've gotten to the third level down now. And I feel like that's a huge accomplishment to be able to beat okay. two bosses is like a massive accomplishment. And, okay. you know, there's achievements. You can look at the achievement list and it's like, you know, you get some of the achievements are just get the last boss down to 750 health. It's like, oh, so that's going to be real hard then. <laughs> but uh, but I think you'll notice that even as you die over and over and over again, you get something every time you die. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I think the game does a good job of explaining to you how to play it. Um, I think that you, you know, it's you know, even even if you haven't played a lot of card based games, I think that they make it like very um, easy to understand and to follow. Um, but for some reason, I just either through the randomness of the decks, or maybe just you know, I think it was a combination of that and the fact of just my skill level at it was. I just never felt like I had the right cards at the right times. Mm. And I felt like I was always falling to enemies I shouldn't be. Interesting. Um, but maybe that's just the game, you know? Like like, like the game might just be built to sort of punish you early. Um, kind of. But <laughs> kind, of kind, kind of in a Dark Soulish kind of way. And then, like, once you learn it, then you really learn it, you know, as opposed to, like passing something without really knowing kind of what you're doing. So um, I'm going to keep trying it out though. Um, I haven't gotten like dissuaded from the game because I've heard so much positive stuff about it. So like, I'm going to keep on it. Yeah. Keep on and, it. and you know, worst, worst thing is that you're out two bucks, you know, it's, it's not that bad. Um, all right, let's move on. I do need to thank our second sponsor, which is Mac Weldon. Oh, guess what I'm wearing right now, guys, my Mac Weldon's. Why am I wearing them? You ask. Because they're comfy. Why else, Jeff? Because I don't want to stank. Mack Weldon's got my back. They're comfy. They make me not stank. And they're the best versions of basic clothes that you need. Everybody spends time at the store looking for sweet sweet button-up shirt or sweet pants or sweet blouse or, you know, the the cool thing. But you're going to wear that cool thing once in a while. The thing you wear every single day is your basics. And yet people spend the least amount of time concerned about their basics. What am I talking about? I'm talking about underpants. I'm talking about socks. I'm talking about undershirts. I'm talking about sweats. I'm talking about stuff you go to bed in. Stuff stuff you wear all day long. Mac Weldon, they got your back. They got your backside as well. Because Mac Weldon is high-quality premium fabrics, Simple shopping experience. You don't have to go to the store and grab a, a pack of underpants. No, nobody wants to spend their time doing that. Just get online, click, click, click. Now you got a really cool, uh, awesome delivery and a neat, uh, attractive package of high quality undershirts, underpants, socks, the things you need the most. They have a line of silver underwear and shirts that are naturally antimicrobial. That means they don't stank. Who knows? Who wants that stank? Nobody wants that stank. Get out of that stank. Guess what? We're going to hook you up. 
we're going to give you a discount, 20% off. All you got to do is go to MacWeldon.com. That's M-A-C-K-W-E-L-D-O-N.com. Use the promo code DLC when you check out, 20% off. Upgrade your wardrobe. Get the things that you need the most, that you wear most often, that you think about the least amount. Put it in, rotation. Get get a, a better version of all those things. MacWeldon.com slash, oh, no, no, no slash. MacWeldon.com, promo code DLC at checkout. Let's talk a little VR, guys. Um, I've been playing some stuff, but I'm really excited because Sharif has been playing a game that I have been shouting from the mountaintops about. And I want to hear your experience with VR Sports Challenge. Please tell me you love it as much as I do. I do. Um, Yay! So VR Sports Challenge. Um, so first of all, when you hear the name, it reminds me of that really generic Connect uh, sports challenge game that came out. Uh, yeah, it sounds like it's going to be terrible. Yeah, it just sounds like a really generic, like, okay, you know. Um, but I was browsing, like, sort of the um, Reddit forums for Oculus, and, like, people were saying, hey, this game is a bit of a hidden gem. It really has a sense of humor and stuff. And, like, I was like, what are you talking about? It's a sports game. Um, and I booted this thing up, and it's, like, the zaniest, goofiest, like, sports um thing i've played in a long time it kind of has the humor of like a you know arch rivals or like these like older games um every sport has it has this kind of intro sequence which is pretty hilarious um where you're dealing with either like a really weird coach or like a mascot that's trying to like come after you in like the uh you know you know uh in the basketball game um so so i saw those i was like that's exactly what I expected from this thing. Is this game is going to be terrible? It's like yeah. more more concerned with being funny than it is with being good. Uh, I I'm certain this is going to be awful. And then uh, it got better. Yeah, yeah. So so, so I, actually, I actually really like those sequences because I'm corny and, and like they were very corny. Um, but then like the actual like mechanics of the sports that they have are really solid. Um, and I think they're solid because they don't try to recreate the entire sport. So they don't say like. Hey, like you're going to play a game of Madden in VR, right? Right. They like really, they really simplify it to, Hey, you're like the quarterback. This is, this is how you hike the ball. This is how you pick a target to, to like, uh, to, to like a throw to. And then you actually mimic the like throwing motion, which feels really good. Right. Um, and, and then it teleports you into the receiver's head. And then, and then you actually have to angle your, um, hands in the right way to actually catch the ball. Right. And it just feels really good every time, you know? I agree. Um, I want, I want Madden to steal this. I want this to be a mode in Madden. I want to be able to do this with actual licensed NFL teams. I think it would be great, you know, and, and like, I'm sure over at EA that they're cooking up ways to like make use of like VR, but like this would be great. Um, and like also would be great, even if not in VR with those, uh, with those joy cons as well on the switch, I think mm. it would work actually pretty well too. Um, yeah. And you know, there's, there's like a, 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 a basketball game also. And then like, you know, even though they have this really weird way of, you kind of dribbling, which doesn't feel that good. Um, but the passing and the shooting feels great. Dude, did you um, unlock alley-ooping? I did. I did. That is the greatest feeling in the world. I did. 
Right. So like uh, you can actually throw alley-oops in this game and then Do yourself. Yeah, 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 exactly. Just it's it's like the same way how like the football how, how the football game teleports you in into the receiver's head if you throw a alley-oop it teleports you to the dunker's head and like you can do all kind of trick dunks and that kind of stuff. It feels so rad, dude. It's like it is such wish fulfillment of gliding through the air and turning to the hoop and just dunking a basketball it's it's so cool yeah it's it's you know it's 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 a really simple idea but it's executed really well it has some nice kind of like polish on it um again i really like the uh, humor in it as well um and yeah it's, it's just a really fun it's a great use of like vr i think it's a good kind of game for like other people to watch you play it as well Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think it's a good demo for like uh, what VR can like uh, do, you know. Um, I think I had the most trouble with the hockey game though. I've, I found it really hard to I agree. block yeah. shots um, as a goalie. Um, I was a little better when like uh, they actually have you on the fast break and like you actually have to hit hit in a score goals. I was much I was much better at that than the actual defense part. Um, yeah, I don't usually mention the hockey part, uh, when I talk about the game, cause you know, nobody cares about hockey, but, uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm All just your kidding. Canadian listeners are about to <laughs> yeah, throwing stuff money. at their, yeah. 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 But, um, yeah, it's, it's like a really fun game. I would definitely, definitely recommend it. I, I'm not sure if it's Oculus exclusive or if it's on vibe or uh PSVR. I think it's um, Oculus exclusive right now. Okay. But, um, yeah, it's, it's like something I hope that they release on other platforms because it's really, really fun. It is really you fun. Know? Yeah, yeah I I found myself playing it way longer than you would think for like a a uh, mini game like collection, which is essentially kind of what it is. Yeah. Um. You know, but like I think that that's really you know what VR is is right now is there are some deeper experiences, but those mini games are really fulfilling when you're actually in the world. Right. Um. So I also played a game that you, that you you recommended on uh, I think it was two shows ago, um, Dead Hungry. Right. Yeah. That the, the um, Q Games uh, released the guys who did all the pixel junk games. Yeah. Yeah. Um, y- you know, and and you know, as as you described on the show, you know, you are cooking up burgers for zombies. Um, <laughs> yeah. The yeah. the thing I couldn't think of at that time was Diner Dash, which was like the big hit game. Yes. You know, many years ago on. Uh, on touch, you know, on, uh, uh, like iOS. I remember my girlfriend at the time played that game incessantly. This is like, it's like VR diner dash with, with zombies. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I mean, first you're just cooking up burgers. So, I mean, you, you gotta get the patty, you gotta grill it. You gotta put the lettuce, tomato and the, and the, and the cheese and the bun on. And like, you, you, you have to do that all in time before the zombies kill you. <laughs> right. Um, so it's like kind of like a very morbid first person version of like overcooked. Right. Um, but, the, but the, uh, you know, so much is added to this game because, you know, all your raw ingredients are on the left and your grills on the right. So you're physically reaching, throwing stuff on the grill. And, and then like, as you get to like, uh, the layer levels, there's pizza, there's like soda, there's all kind of stuff that like you all shrimp. have to, yeah, <laughs> shrimp, um, all have to, kind of mix and match and this is a game where vr i feel like really makes or breaks it because like having to physically reach for the ingredients and then like throw these burgers out out of your thing at these zombies i mean it 
it's it's just hilarious you know um i mean the music could use a, a little bit of work um i actually had to turn it down because it like annoyed the crap out of me oh yeah it's all like heavy metal and then there's a there's a in your little um your little uh uh food truck there's a a boom box and you can swap out the cassette tapes. And I was like, Oh, thank God. But every cassette tape is different heavy metal. <laughs> I know. I, I, I did that exact same thing. I thought that like maybe one cassette would like be like something else. You know I mean? Maybe I want to grow my burgers to some mellow uh, <laughs> right. elevator music, you know, I mean, come on, you know? Um, but um, yeah. Um, yeah. Jeff, I'm so glad that you recommended that game. Cause I probably wouldn't have heard of it otherwise. And it's really fun. Yeah. You know? I agree. Thanks. Um, yeah. And then, uh, on the opposite side of the angle to terrify myself, I've been playing Thumper um, <laughs> in VR. Now, like I've been, pl- I've been playing Thumper a lot. Um, but I didn't realize that the steam version was updated with VR support. I know that the PS, I think for PSVR, it launched with like a VR support, right? Yeah. but the steam version, it, it took a while to actually get that in. Um, so I s- started playing it in like VR and believe it or not, I actually enjoy it less in VR. Really? Um, Somebody else was on our show that said yeah. that. Yeah. I mean, and, and I don't know if it's the fact that it's kind of like a terrifying game that makes your heart rate go up and like, you know, and like that kind of stuff. But the intensity almost makes it hard for me to focus. And that's a game where you really have to focus on those later levels on like every action and like every little bit. And, and, and yeah, I just find it easier when it's not all around me. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't know if that's a testament to VR because, you know, it really kind of like puts you in there. But, but, uh, but uh, yeah, I, I, I've, I found myself doing a lot worse in the game in VR. Mm. Um, so like, while I appreciate the experience and like, kind of like being in it, um, it doesn't translate for me personally into like better gameplay. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, it, it's definitely more intense that way. That's, that's for sure. It's like 10 times more intense. Than I was like, oh <laughs> yeah. my God. Yeah. I have to admit, I haven't really played it too much outside of VR because, you know, why would I? But, uh, <laughs> maybe I should try more because, uh, I, I can only play that game for short spurts because yes, it is very intense and you're slamming into things and hitting stuff and there's a giant monster face and you're just like, okay, all right, enough. I'm sweating, but, uh, still a very cool game. Absolutely. Uh, Christian, any VR stuff for you? Or you, you, know, you said you've been traveling. Yeah, no VR stuff. I'm just looking at it, uh, you know, gazing, waiting. Well, you got it. Hoping. Well, you got. I really highly recommend this. I think somebody in our subreddit suggested this uh, as well. A Dear Angelica. Actually, both of you guys should try this. It's not a game per se. It's more of a you know a short film, but it's free on Oculus right now, and it is quite something. I mean, I think it's less than ten minutes long. Uh, it, it stars the voices of Mae Whitman and Gina Davis. So it's got, you know, A-list talent. Nice. And it is absolutely stunning. What an experience. I mean, it's a very uh, beautiful kind of simple story about uh, a girl who is remembering her mother. And um, I mean, I won't spoil anything. As I said, it's, it's a really short experience. But you are, you know, inside the the VR world, you are standing in kind of her like drawings that it's very artistic sort of hand drawn aesthetic. And it's all happening around you. Like things are being drawn uh, 360 degrees around you and you're constantly turning around and looking at things. And 
She's remembering her mother, who was this actress in these movies, and you're seeing scenes from her movies as she's wistfully remembering her mother. And it is absolutely exquisite. And it is an amazing experience. I mean, truly gorgeous. Right in your face, you're, you're right inside her bedroom, and then you're inside this giant battle that, you know, her mom was like this action star in movies, and so you're seeing like tanks, and she's shooting at them, and it is... But it's all done with a very uh, hand-drawn, sketched aesthetic. And uh, it looks like it's being drawn in real time all around you. And it, it, I can't even do it justice. It's, but it's really beautiful and for free. It's free right now. So Yeah, uh, that, sounds, that sounds great. You mentioned one thing. And I think this is one thing that's bothered me about VR. And I'm not quite sure what the fix is. And not every game. But like in VR, you can't escape something right like you can't (laughs) you can't back away from something and sometimes i find like not even like in a horror moments or whatever that it's like i don't want to look at a painting as close as this experience is making me look at it like Mm -hmm. i'm at at a museum i like to step back and look at something and because i guess maybe there's not total local motion or the way it is or like you know i don't want to play right up next to my tv screen and i find that sometimes some games they just put stuff because they can because it's vr they're like look at this thing it's right in your face and i'm like yeah 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 i get it but like now move it a heck move it move it the expletive away from my face (laughs) like i don't want it there and (laughs) i find it bothersome i I get that i have often that is a problem with um uh, VR video because the yeah. video was was taken at that angle and so there's no there's no real time computations being you know happening so you can't like lean in or lean out uh, with with something like this where it is actually just you know graphics computer graphics being rendered in real time you can lean in and lean out so it has a little more leeway there but yeah with video especially where it's like we set the camera up right next to this person right it's it's crappy <laughs> yeah, yeah. where you are yeah. Um, so I want to mention another VR thing uh, on Vive. Uh, it's called Smashbox Arena. And the reason I played this actually was uh, in large part because of a post on our uh, subreddit, which is quite something. And I, I'm maybe a little self-serving in bringing it up. But I don't know, Christian, do you remember years ago when we were doing Weekend Confirmed and uh, the Xbox One was just being announced, and they showed Rise at E3. And I came back from E3 just thinking that Rise was spectacular looking and really looked very next-gen and kind of showed off the graphics capabilities of the Xbox One. And I talked uh, effusively about how exciting and cool it looked and how next-gen it seemed. And NeoGAF, uh, the sort of famous video gaming um, chat uh, website, it kind of picked up on that and I was lambasted as being a, an idiot for thinking Rise looked any good at all. Do you remember that happening? I do. I, I believe we played Rise together in the common line and then you got back uh, behind closed doors and extended look at it and I was super excited to hear that because I thought it showed really well at E3. I own it on, on Steam as a summer sale and that game certainly goes flat and is not the best game ever, but I never understood the hate that that game got. I, I, and yeah, I, I never understood why people, I mean, you were drawn and quartered. On I was, it was I mean, crazy. I was, it was like, uh, I should be not allowed to talk about video games on the internet ever again, because, you know, people were just, uh, he is the biggest idiot. How, why is he allowed to even be on this show? All the, it was intense. 
and th- that is the end of that's what killed uh we can confirm so i don't know if anyone knew that but <laughs> yeah, right. this is the you know how they the artist the vh1 behind the story story <laughs> it was one of those things where i really i you know i i waded into the into the forum and i p- posted a lot and tried to defend myself and you know i was just attacked on all sides and it was one of the things where it's like one of the reasons i don't go to neogaf anymore was because of that experience it just it was hard and but now five years later you're back baby you've written you have your manifesto prepared no not at all yeah i've finally been thinking about it and here we go the defensive rise we we got a post on our subreddit from the guy who started that thread and who said that he he was the guy uh responsible for for calling me out initially for my hyperbole about rise and and my love of it and he said he finally wanted to say uh, mea culpa. And uh, he said he's, – he wrote this on our subreddit. Uh, I, I came to realize that uh, for the record, um, I never accused Jeff of being any kind of shill but merely being irresponsible with his language. Uh, but in light of recent events, I have come to realize two things. A person's enthusiasm is their own and can't be taken away from them or discredited regardless of future events. And questioning that enthusiasm and assuming they have ulterior motives is really, really crappy. He says, how I came to this. I'm a huge, huge fan of Smashbox Arena for the Vive and Oculus. And I'm not a games journalist or writer. I'm a college English professor by trade. But I became such a huge fan of this game that I pretty much talked about it every time I came to NeoGAF or to, excuse me, to the Vive subreddit. And people uh, started to think I was a shill for the game. I was a hired gun for the for the game, and uh, <laughs> it, it bummed this guy out. Right? This is Eternal Gamer Two on our on our subreddit. So he said uh, he started to understand that his love for this game it was questioned by people because he kept saying, you know, they kept saying, you're stupid. You're stupid for liking this. And, oh, obviously you're being paid off. He's like, I'm not being paid off. I'm just an English teacher. And he went, oh, that's what I accused Jeff of all those years ago. So it's a little vindication for me. It feels good. But I just thought it was a beautiful thing that people can sort of, you know, be put in the position that they so hated for so long. And it made me want to play Smashbox Arena. So all that is just a uh, prologue to saying I tried out Smashbox Arena and it's awesome. It really is <laughs> awesome. Chill. Yeah. I got paid to say this. <laughs> this guy chilling. sent me $20 and now I'm going to tell him. <laughs> so Smashbox Arena is uh, a multiplayer. You could call it a shooter just because it's sort of in that realm of, of being a uh, arena type experience, but it's not really a shooter. I mean, I guess it kind of is. But basically what you have is you have these little guns in your hands, in both hands, and what they can do is there are there are little uh, glass spheres all around the arena, and you can suck a sphere to your gun, and it you know attaches to the end of your gun, and then you can shoot that sphere off your gun at other players. And if it hits another player, they're eliminated from the match. But you can also, uh, if someone shoots that sphere at you, you can intercept it in the air and catch it. Or if you already have a sphere on your gun, you can use that sphere to deflect other spheres. And then there's a bunch of power-ups also that are like a sniper and a like a giant uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark style ball that can roll slowly around the arena and smash people. 
or a bomb that'll go off. So there's other like specialty things that you can, you know, suck to your gun and then shoot off. But the central gameplay is teleporting around the arena and the teleporting works differently than most games. You shoot off a little teleportation pod and it lands on the ground and then like two seconds go by and then you appear at that. So it's not instantaneous. So you have to really plan for it. So if somebody, you know, appears next to you and and shoots at you, you can't just instantly teleport away. You're kind of stuck there for a second, even if you try to leave. So it, it adds a lot of really fun strategy of, you know, I'm going to teleport right behind that guy and appear and shoot him really fast before he knows it. Or I'm going to shoot my gun and teleport or like shoot my teleportation pod off. And in the two seconds, like do something before I leave that spot. It is ridiculously fun. Mm zany kind of uh, a wild experience but yeah it's so unique and different and only possible really in vr because you're kind of moving around this arena in really unique interesting ways you're you know dodging uh projectiles being shot at you you're catching them in midair it's almost a almost a sports type analogy to some of it um really really cool game Smashbox Arena for Vive. I highly recommend people give it a shot. It's super cool. It almost sounds like dodgeball kind of. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a great. That's a great analogy. Yes, uh, it's dodgeball with like more complex strategy. Yeah. <laughs> and you're and the, the the arenas themselves are multi level, so you can be above people, you can be below people, you can you know flank them. Um, there's like a whole uh, single player version, which is basically just you know, playing against bots, but it's fun because you can, you know, try it out. And, uh, there's all kinds of different arenas that look and feel differently. And there's different, uh, difficulty levels. It's a blast, really, really fun game. That's called Smashbox Arena, and it's an exclusive for the Vive? Uh, evidently, you can play it on Touch as well, Oculus Touch. I think through Steam, you can play it on either one, but I was playing it on Vive. And, uh... Yeah, and, and and there's a demo on Steam for it as well. Oh, that's good to know. Nice. Well, we should, should take a break for our last sponsor, Rise, Son of Rome. Chill. <laughs> <laughs> Chilling. Actually, our last sponsor is Fireside. And if you're a podcaster or you're thinking about becoming a podcaster, Fireside is something you really need to know about. It's a hosting and analytics platform that was created by podcasters for podcasters. This is a thing that was made by Dan Benjamin, who's the guy that founded the 5x5 network upon which we are talking right now. And uh, he used everything he learned from you know doing podcasts since 2009, and he turned them into a platform that would make it easier for people to become podcasters or existing podcasters to transfer their podcasts over and, and just have an easier time of things. Because uh, Fireside has unlimited uploads, unlimited downloads, massive amounts of real-time data and analytics about your unique downloads, a super fast CDN for the best download speeds, and multiple podcast support. So if you're a guy who does an entire channel's worth, it, it can support you there. Also, if you're already doing podcasts on another platform like Libsyn, FeedPress, Simplecast, or SoundCloud, one-click podcast importing, which just makes it so easy to just switch over to Fireside. You have custom domain mapping, a beautiful responsive website with your own artwork, host, and guest pages, and tons of advanced features like sponsorship integration, chapter markers, a bookmarklet for links, auto-posting of future episodes, time code linking, and so much more. And you can try Fireside for free for seven days, during which you can import your existing podcasts for free while taking advantage of every feature that Fireside has to offer. And the unlimited plan starts at just 19 bucks a month. That's so cheap. 
There's no commitment or long-term agreement to worry about. Try it today. Go to fireside.fm slash DLC. Use the promo code DLC and you get yourself 20% off. That's pretty great. Fireside.fm slash DLC. Get 20% off your first three months using that promo code DLC. Fireside is by podcasters for podcasters. Right now, right now. All right, we didn't have tabletop time last week, so I definitely want to hit it this week. Uh, I have played a board game that's it's not super new, but it is really, really great. My wife and I played Bruges, uh, which is um, an, a Stefan Feld game. Stefan Feld is... The is a very famous designer uh, of many many board games that um, uh, you know so many here that I could Castles of Burgundy, Aquasphere, uh, Pillars of the Earth, uh, Roman Pirates, Luna, so many games, um, and he's kind of known as one of these guys that does uh, point salad games. People call him point salad, and because you can sort of get points to win. A whole bunch of different ways. It's kind of like throwing stuff into a salad. A little bit of this, a little bit of that makes you win uh, because you can get points in so many different ways. And Bruges certainly is a game like that. Uh, the theme is a little dry, I suppose. It's a Euro game, so it's a, a lot like these Euro games where you're sort of creating stuff in a European city of Bruges. And this one uh, is is really cool. You have a variety of ways to score points. And I always love games where you can build things in front of you. You can create your own little personal town and Bruges allows you to do that. You can make, you can um, build buildings in front of you and then put people in them. And the people that you put in the buildings give you special bonuses that allow you to do certain things on your turn. And you have a variety of different um, resources that you can spend to trigger certain things. You have money that you can use to buy things. You have uh, workers that you can use to trigger certain stuff from happening. But the central mechanic of the game is that card, you, you, you draw cards and you play cards, but the cards can do a whole host of different things. So the cards are, they're one thing that can do a whole number of things. And, and the cards are of, I think, five different colors. And you roll dice at the beginning of your turn that determine the value of that color during that round. So you can discard a card Let's say I have a red card. I discard a card and get money for that card. And the amount of money I get is the value that was rolled on the red die. Five different die, five different colors of die, five different colors of cards. So they correspond to that die. So you're setting uh, an economy each round of what that die is going to be worth in terms of money. But you can also discard a red card to get red workers or you can discard a red card to uh, put a red – put this red guy in a building or that card is also a building. The backside of it is a red building. So maybe you want to build a red building in front of you, which costs a red worker. So each of the colors, uh, you, you can only do you know the thing that you – are able to do based on that color. So let's say you want to, you can also like build out these canals, but each canal section that you want to build is color coded. So you need the card of that color to discard. So you're constantly making these decisions of, well, I rolled a very high number. 
uh, on the, on that red die. So do I want to spend my red card not getting money for it? Because if it's a really high number, I can get a whole bunch of money, but I also need uh, a canal piece that is in a red spot. So I need to discard a red card. So it's all these wonderful choices of like, oh, this this can be used in a whole number of different ways. What is the best way to use the cards that are in my hand? All the while, there are also these threats that happen. So if you roll a really high number on a blue die, for example, yes, that blue die will be worth a lot of money, but with it, it also brings blue threat to every player. So even though only one player rolled that high number, everybody gets a threat marker. And if you get three threat markers of the same color, something horrible happens, like you lose all your money or you lose all your workers or something. So you're constantly having to mitigate that by spending cards to get rid of threat. So if I have a bunch of threat markers, I have two threat markers and I'm worried that's going to happen again, I have to spend a blue card to get rid of one of my threats. But getting rid of a threat also gets you points. So there's never anything that doesn't actually feel good during the game. I really, really like Bruges. Uh, it's a game that my wife and I had a great time playing together. Uh, we only played two-player version. It plays up to four. I'm anxious to play it with more players. But uh, one that's easy to recommend, it's from Z-Man Games. Uh, Bruges it came out in, I think, 2013. It was a big deal at that time, uh, but it's one that stayed in my collection. And uh, I still bring out. Uh, from time to time, my wife and I played it. Uh, I know I got a lot of emails after the last uh, Tabletop Time saying that I need to give Isle of Sky another chance and that it doesn't play... Uh, it's not as fun with only two players, that I need to give it a shot with more players than just two. And I certainly can understand that. But uh, that's what we did. We played it with two for Isle of Sky. So I appreciate all the people that expressed um, love for that game as as I was a little surprised that it won the Spiel des Jahres. Um, so maybe I'll give it another shot with more players. But uh, Bruges is easy to recommend. I hope people give that game a shot. Again, kind of a dry theme, but but uh, strategically so much fun and so many cool options, uh, strategic decisions to be made. Uh, I also have an email that I wanted to read. Uh, this comes from Rod from San Jose. He wrote into dlcfeedback at gmail.com. He said, uh, over the holidays, we played our usual tabletop favorites like Smash Up, Colt Express, Bananagrams and Takendo, oh, excuse me, Takinoko, Takinoko, Takendo, I'm an idiot, <laughs> Takinoko. Uh, but the big new hit for us was Evolution The Beginning. He wanted to know if I've played it. He said, it's a streamlined version of the game that you loved in episode number 69 when you talked with the designer himself. Uh, I will be recommending it to everyone. You can even get it at Target. He said, and on your recommendation, we also played Time Stories for the first time. I love the storytelling and the art and the combat system and the cooperation. It didn't feel as open-worldy as I expected, but it was so different from other board games I've played that I'm looking forward to playing the expansions. Thanks for the tip. By the way, there are only three periods, not four in Time Stories. Let's all weep together for declining punctuation standards. (laughs) He said, keep up the great tabletop time segments. Games are the best with real-life friends. And uh, I appreciate him writing that in. Rod from San Jose, thank you very much. Um... I have not played the two-player version of Evolution yet, but I really, really like Evolution as a board game. Uh, the bunch of expansions, the flight expansion I have, which adds creatures that can fly. Evolution is that game I talked about a while back where you uh, you are actually evolving creatures in front of you and creating uh, herbivores and carnivores, and then carnivores can eat other players' uh, herbivores. <laughs> uh, 
it's it's fun. It's a little uh, little take that with with being able to attack other players, but also you're creating your own little ecosystem and feeding your creatures and building them up and giving them cool new traits as they evolve. But the two player version sounds really cool. I have to give that a shot too. It's called Evolution: The Beginning. Well, that's my monologue for tabletop time. Uh, and now we will wrap things up. Uh, we do have our parting gift coming at you very soon. <clears throat> Please stick around for that. Oh, also, um, I did tweet about having Doom, the board game. I'll be talking about that very soon. I haven't had a chance to nice. play it yet, but it just came out. I'm very excited to get to the table. Um, Sharif Jackson, thank you so much for being here today. Absolutely, man. I had a great time. Great time. Can uh, people uh, find your stuff online? Where, where can people go to listen to you talk more about video games and see the cool stuff you're making? Sure. Uh, so most of my stuff is at SharifJackson.com, S-H-A-R-E-E-F uh, Jackson.com. Uh, that will link you to both my gaming videos at Gaming Looks Good, uh, my science blog at Science Looks Good, and my podcasts um, Spawn on Me um, and Operation Cubicle. Um, and that can also find my newly launched, uh, math and physics tutoring service, uh, called math looks good as well. So if you or your child or anybody, uh, want some math or physics tutoring help online or offline, um, that's available there as well. So, uh, sharifjackson.com. Um, and you can also follow me at Sharif Jackson on Twitter too. Yeah. On Twitter though, I have, I have a bit of a beef with you, Sharif. Uh, oh, you nice. have changed your, you, yeah, a little bit. You have changed your, your display name. And it literally puts uh, uh, Rock the Casbah in my head every time I read it. <laughs> yes. I <laughs> every did, time I, I read did. it, I'm like, Sharif, don't like it. <laughs> so Yeah, I, 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 I've, I've heard that joke so many times over my life that I decided to turn the tables against, <laughs> against people and just own it. Yeah, yeah you're, you have the power now. Yes, that's <laughs> uh, <laughs> pretty good. Uh, Christian, what about you? What do you got going on this week? Uh, well, I posted it to the my Patreon feed where I do a podcast called At Least 20 More Minutes, um, but it's not 100% final, but pretty final. Um, a, a little preview of the cover album art for my next album, We're All Gonna Die, as well as a track listing. So excited so for that, dude. I, it, I'm so excited for that. Yeah, thanks. It's, it's you know, I kind of had it and I kind of <laughs> with it. Um, uh, but I'm excited. I, I have, if you were at the live show, um, which, you know, only a hundred people were there, it's a full room. Um, I have removed two jokes from the live show that will not be on the recording that it just felt for like time and place. It ended up becoming a little more crowd worky. You couldn't see the person I was talking to, whatever. But anyway, the whole thing, when all said and done, is over. It's like 52 minutes, something like that. Anyway, very soon, I've decided that uh, my first album came out February 2015, so it makes sense to have a nice two-year anniversary with the second album. So it's uh, right around the corner. And then if you're in L.A. tomorrow night, Tuesday, at the Comedy Store, I'm doing a show called Historical Roast, and I am playing Mark Twain. As I am saying, um, mean things about Helen Keller. <laughs> they, they pick a historical figure to wow. roast and take down. But before I agreed to do this show, I really wanted to take some time to do some research and um, have some original jokes and original voice because Helen Keller was such an amazing woman and did so much uh, great stuff for this country. I didn't want to get up there and be like, oh, you had these handicaps. Um, I think I'm bringing something very original and funny to it. That'll be Tuesday night at the Comedy Store. And uh, yeah, podcasts, at least 20 more minutes. You can find it at patreon.com slash 
Christian Spicer, and I do a parenting podcast called Department of Parenting, which you can find at departmentofparenting.com. And then once in a blue moon, Stuart Knocked from Cheap Ass Gamer and I, we do a show called Uninformed Opinions. I think the last one we did was he said he did not like Rogue One, and I call him an idiot <laughs> for about 30 minutes. <laughs> and then you can follow me online at Sean Spicer or at Press Secretary um, is the best way to get a hold of me on Twitter. Cool, man. Uh, I have uh, several other shows for you to check out as well. Check out the Slash Filmcast, where uh, there's a pretty intense episode this week, I will say, about uh, Split. Do not listen to it if you have not seen the film, but if you have seen the film, and I urge you to see the film, um, you definitely check out our discussion because it is explosive, to say the least. Uh, and uh, I do. we have concerns with Anthony Carboni. It is a 20-minute long uh, three times a week, a science comedy show. And people like it. You should check it out. In fact, if you are going to be at PAX South next weekend, so will I. And we will be doing a live version of We Have Concerns at PAX South on Saturday, the 28th, at 4 p.m. in the Cactus Theater. So we'd love to see you. Even if you have never seen the show before, I'd love to see any DLC fans that might be at PAX South. Come say hi. I would be so delighted to see people there. Uh, again, 4 p.m. Saturday at the Cactus Theater at PAX South in San Antonio. All right, guys, let's wrap up the show now with our parting gift. Hey, give us a suggestion of what to do this week. Give us a parting gift. This is your parting gift. Sharif, do you have a suggestion to help people get through their week? Now, am, 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 am I allowed two parting gifts? Of course. Of is, course. Is is that possible? Yes. Um, Christian is okay. allowed. Now will be deducted one parting gift. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, so one um, is the movie and book for Hidden Figures. Um, this is a movie that came out nationally early January um, about the um, Afri- the African-American women that um, helped uh, Alan Shepard, John Glenn, and the rest of the Mercury 7 get into space. Um, very, very great movie. Um, it's, it's an example of a math and math and science movie where you don't really have to understand the underlying math or science to, you know, to follow the, uh, conviction of the women. Um, and it's just a great, great story. Um, and I would highly recommend the audiobook as well. Um, because yeah, it's, it's, it's like even better in the book than like it is in the movie as with most, as with uh, most things. Um, yeah, so I my, like that movie uh, very much. I, I, yeah, 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 it was, it, it was excellent. Um, my second parting gift, um, is an article, um, called, uh, race and feminism women's March recalls the touchy history. Um, so this is part of NPR's code switch website and uh podcast it's a it's 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 a section of uh npr where they specifically deal with uh with uh issues of race um and like this is just a really great article that talks about like the intersectionality of uh modern feminism um and like how that was both um both uh displayed and not displayed um in the uh recent like like uh in the in the women's marches that um happen all all across the world so like 
if you're wondering about, um, you know, sort of like why some people were not 100% for the women's marches and like why, like there were like, you know, um, some, um, discussion amongst different, different people about the, uh, success of the marches. I would definitely recommend this, um, article in, uh, code switch. Again, it's called race and feminism. Women's March recalls the touchy history. Yes. Really, really great. Uh, it's too yep. bad that Christian doesn't get one anymore, though. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Christian, what's your what's your parting gift? Well, I, it's fine if I don't get one. I just started Catalyst, uh, the Rogue One novel, the prequel to Ooh. the thing in between. So far, it's great. I, I'm not super far into it, but uh, I liked the movie a lot. I liked those characters. And, uh, oh, gosh, the author. He's written all the great Star Wars books. Timothy's not. Um, no, and that's not Timothy Zahn. He the other guy he's written all great Star Wars books. That guy he wrote the other great Star Wars books. Um, <laughs> he's a, he's a, a great writer. The book is great, um, and I got it at my local library, which should really be my uh, parting gift because go to your library; <laughs> they're fantastic. They places. give you free things there. They let you take just take whatever you want, and then as long as you promise to take it back, they give it to you. It's incredible. A library? Who knew? Am I right, guys? Library? No, I knew. I knew about it. Oh, right? That's did. why. Oh, that's on. why I plugged it. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'll I'll mention again. I kind of spoiled my already my parting gift already. But split. Don't wait on split. Go see it. Don't let the world spoil you. There's going to be people spoiling people from now on. Don't let that happen. It's one of the most incredible moments I've ever had in a movie theater. Was watching that movie. So. I just wish people would have that experience too. Can I interrupt though, like real quick? Yeah. Like I get not to spoil it, but like I have no desire to see it. I think the trailers, I know you try to not watch trailers. I think the trailers look awful. I think M. Night Shyamalan has released steaming pile after steaming pile. Mm -hmm. Like why should I see, why should anyone see this movie? And you don't want to read about it because it'll spoil it. But like, yeah. I think it looks like hot garbage. Yeah, I know. I know yeah. you, I know you I think, think it does that. too, to be honest. I know you think that. I know you do. But it's okay. I mean, is it worth? Like, so, so honestly, are you telling me it's worth twenty dollars just for this turn at the end? For me, yes, by far. If it if it ends with just a modern episode of Seinfeld or something, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna have some. Words I don't want to like set up a big twist at the okay. end. I'm saying the. <sighs> You're saying it's worth it. I'm saying it is worth it, and I have a friend who said I hate. These kinds of, you know, I'm very soured on M Night. I like, I, I was not going to go see this. I might not be friends with you if I only go because you told me to, and I hate it. Yeah. And he texted me last night, and he's like, "Oh my god, thank you, thank you, thank you." So, just saying. Uh, and I, and, and well, that's like is, kind of like that kind of builds it up too much, even. But, but I haven't seen a lot of spoiler. I haven't been avoiding spoilers for this, and I know it did okay at the box office. But really like, I also good. haven't, yeah. haven't seen a lot of spoilers for it because I feel like. Not a lot of people are talking about it. <laughs> I'm talking about it. And I'm glad people aren't talking about it. I think I think the reason people aren't talking about it is because they respect it. Like, they respect the spoiler. Uh, but, okay. uh, yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm, I've already, I've already saying, said too much. I've already built no, no, it up no. way too much. All, all I'm saying, all I'm saying is that if there is an action star that made such great hits as Air Force One, Indiana Jones, Star Wars, if he reprises a role in this just to be killed off, I am going to be disappointed. <laughs> anyway. Um, 
That's the show. That's our show. That's entire show of show. Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, thanks to Sharif Draxon and uh, Christian Spicer for hanging out with me. Uh, thanks to all the folks in the chat room who also hung out with all of us. We appreciate you guys being here throughout. And we appreciate everyone who has downloaded this show. We also appreciate our musical contributors, Patrick L., Sean Madigan, and Zero Star for making those bumpers that I enjoy so much. Uh, we will be back next week. Until then... Think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.